All right, we are back. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Parenting on Purpose, your podcast for parenting tips and enjoying the journey. Today, I am met with a beautiful, incredible soul, Machine Keating, all the way from San Diego, another San Diego friend. How's it going, Shannon? It's going well. I am excited to be here, Caitlin. I'm really loving the, your specific focus of preteen like women, like growing into young women, and then their relationships with their moms. Um, I just think that's so beautiful and such an underserved population and such an impressionable population and also one that just has so much um, constant stimulation that they are trying to figure out, you know, I, I just wish we had this when we were at that age. So uh, that's amazing. I love the work you do. So parents, Shannon comes to us with several years and background in holistic life coaching, specifically for preteens and their relationships with their mothers. She owns a business and a podcast, Unmasked and Open Hearted, which she's going to share a little bit about with us today. And I just can't wait to get into the curriculum and to share uh, you with our audience and what you do. So um, before we start, I always like to have one opening question, which is tell us where you're from and then tell us um, what's one thing that you do in your life to show up on purpose. Ooh, love both those questions. Well, first, I'm from the East Coast. So I'm from Maryland. I grew up just outside of the Washington, D.C. area. So my whole family is D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Came out to Denver for college. So moved west and then now moved even more west to California for the last year. And I plan on being in California for a while, but definitely grew up on the East Coast. And then one thing that I do to help me be more on purpose, is that the next question? That was it, yep. So I would say, I mean, what comes to my mind right away is I do not check my phone for at least an hour in the, the beginning of the morning. And I, I start my day with the practices I need to fill myself up, to connect with myself, so then I can show up for others. So I do, I listen to affirmations, I do a meditation, I drink water, I do my dry brushing. And then I'll turn my phone off airplane mode. Yeah, so definitely every morning do that. And I feel like if I don't do that, I feel ungrounded. I don't feel like I can be fully present with others. And I just notice a difference. So I just prioritize that time. Enough. If that means getting up earlier, I will get up earlier. But I always give myself at least an hour to do my things before then interacting with other humans. <laughs> so my six foot three, 235 pound <laughs> Samoan husband has turned me on to the newer queer eye. Um, he's the one who pulled me into it. Now our whole family is obsessed. Mm -hmm. So Jonathan, the Jonathan within me was like smiling when you went to dry brushing. I'm like, I love that her self-care routine includes exfoliating our skin. That is amazing. <laughs> to, but inside out, right? But like as girl to girl, I just think that's awesome because we do not take, especially parents, we do not take enough time to like sew into ourselves. And then we just expect to like love on people with an empty cup, right? Like how, how can I do, it's not even physically possible. So that's awesome. That's very good. How long have you been doing your morning routine? Yeah. So, so one thing I love, cause I, I definitely feel body image stuff will come up in this conversation just by the nature of the work I do and teen girls and women in general, but the dry brushing is something that for me, I grew up with such body image struggles. And so just getting naked with myself, dry brushing, taking wow. care of my body in that way actually has really helped with my body image. That's a big reason why I always do it too. I mean, one, it energizes me and it's really good for my body, but then just healing that relationship has been a big thing or that's been a big practice for me. Yeah. And then honestly, morning routine, probably since college, nice. I got into that because I got really into personal development in college. But it wasn't 
wife coming from a place of self-love. It was more coming from a place of fix yourself, get better, do better, be better, do all these things. And so I, I came at it from a pretty intense place at first, but I still, it helped me solidify, okay, morning routine is really important for you. And so I got into it in college. And then over the years, like every few months, it, it shifts. It's not like yeah. I'm like, oh, I always have to do this. I listen to my body, I tune in, I learn new modalities. And so it's always shifting. Nice. And I definitely would say college is when I first got into it. And then, yeah, the last several years, it's just been a staple. Love that. That's great. I'm, I'm so happy that you get to do that now and keep that as a, a foundation as you grow and change people's lives and have babies and bring others into this world because it's uh that's so important. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. It is very common. I ask every guest that, and I would say 75% of people, that is how they start. That's how they answered. Um, so that's, that's telling, right? That says a lot. Um, okay, sweet. So now that we know a little bit about where you're from and how you show up on purpose in your life, um, start us off with the work that you do. And then um, we'll just start free flowing into the, you know, how that all works with the relationships and what kids um, specifically preteens and teen girls are faced with today. And we'll just have fun with it. We'll see what comes up. Sounds great. Oh, uh-oh. I think I lost you. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> <laughs> that was a first. I'll edit that out. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's just me. Okay, so hear me? tell us about what you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when it comes to my work, I work with preteen girls from maybe nine, ten years old, all the way up to young adult women and then women. And for me, I I, I share when I share about my story and my journey is I just have always been connected to helping kids. Since I was younger, I was a nanny, a babysitter, a camp counselor, lifeguard. I was just always focused on supporting kids. And so that just naturally gravitated to when I was in college, I was helping out the younger women in college. And then when I graduated from college, I just had this deep feeling in my heart. I want to give back to our younger generation. But then I really had to go on my own journey of learning how to love myself, learning how to love my body, healing from a lot of things that I experienced when I was younger, which include a lot of body dysmorphia, so just and a lot of body shame, a lot of body judgment, a lot of comparing my body, feeling uncomfortable in my body, which led me to developing an eating disorder for multiple years, trying to control my weight, feeling like my worth was directly tied to my physical weight. I grew up in a household where my mom was always on a diet. Every single one of the female family members was always on a diet. So that's, again, something that I really like to weave into the work today, just around mothers and daughters and recognizing that we really have to get rid of this diet culture and get rid of this oh. um, mothers nitpicking their bodies in years, feeling like they always have to lose weight because that directly impacts their teens. And I, I came up, I grew up in that generation and, and both my sisters were affected and I was deeply affected. And so that led to that. And then I also struggled a lot with depression cyclically throughout my childhood. And then even the heaviness of suicidal ideations in multiple instances. And so I just, I had a history of the body image struggles, the eating disorder struggles, mental health struggles, and then just the generalized insecurities and comparison and self-judgment and perfectionism that a lot of young women and women struggle with. And so I did a lot of my own healing when I graduated from college, in college, but then post-college. 
but always wanted to go back and help the younger girls with what I was struggling with, what I saw everyone struggling with. And so once I got to a place of just feeling much more solid and secure in myself and just on the other end of a lot of those challenges and equipped with more of the tools, that's when, and of course, I went to nutrition school, I went to do life coaching certifications, meditation certifications, et cetera. I took all of this and there was just this point in time, I think right around COVID and maybe a little bit prior to COVID where I was like, okay, I know in my heart, all I want to do is help younger generations. And similar to what you said, Caitlin, it's an underserved just like population. Yeah. Yeah. There so many of us know we were so insecure during that time in our lives. It was really challenging, especially we're going to we'll talk about social media, COVID happening, online learning, all of these different influences. They're now more than ever struggling with mental health challenges, with the eating disorders, with all of these different tendencies and, and experiences. But then we go to school systems and they're not learning how to love themselves. They're not learning how to communicate. They're not learning how to feel their emotions. They're not learning all of these interpersonal skills, but then they're deeply challenged with them. So anyway, I kind of really sat with myself and was like, Shane, you know, this is a big party purpose. You know, it's your passion. You'll go and do this. So that's when I created Base Rising. That's when I added teen life coaching into the mix where I was like coaching Great. adult women for a while. And from there, what was really cool was a lot of the clients I had started to refer their preteen or teen daughters to me. That's and great. so I started to work with them. I would do different workshops and things for schools and get client referrals or friends of friends would send me their daughters in college or high school. So I started to work with a lot of girls one-on-one and then adult women one-on-one. And then through the nature of that, because I also had a really challenging relationship with my mom growing up, where again, we just, we did not see eye to eye. I was the biggest troublemaker. I would lash out at her. I, I honestly hated her. I had a lot of hate for her built up. She had a lot of challenges with me. I, I didn't love what I saw her struggle with, but then I struggled with. And so yep. there was just a big disconnect. And I had a lot of pain from that relationship that I'm still feeling from. And so I saw, again, a lot of my clients, a lot of the adult women going through that, a lot of teens going through that. And I would just constantly see the moms and the daughters mirroring one another. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can, I can help this. I can help, you know, this relationship strengthen and I can help the moms and daughters become closer through these shared challenges, get the tools together and help one another out and actually form a deeper bond. So that's when the passion for mother-daughter work came in and then my oh. latest retreat and you know, it's all progressing from there. It's organic, right? And that's the fun thing about when we have these conversations. And that's why I like to talk to people who are on the journey because it highlights the transformation. For me, that is the funnest, sexiest part. Like you are literally like modern day magician. You are creating something out of nothing. And I just get lit up by whether that's business, whether that's with spiritual transformation, like, uh, and the work that you're doing in the family unit, Shannon, is incredible. Like, it's so needed. Um, obviously, I have a 15-year-old daughter, so I feel it so much in my own life. And, like, I come from a generation where, like, my, my parents and I are, like, best friends. I was just with them before this. And we hang out with them on the weekend. Like, I love my parents. It's just different. Even when you had a great upbringing, they didn't have the tools, um, uh, the emotional quotient tools. They didn't have a lot of the... Like it was just a different life. They were focused like Maslow's hierarchy. They were focusing on survival. And now that like, you know, even people below the poverty line have 
Jordans and, and iPhones and all this stuff. And they, you know, they're living wealthier than the president of the United States said, right? Like those type of things. We just are in a different place. Um, but I think your work specifically coming online and really diving in during this time with, I would say the dissemination of the family unit, the moving away from that nuclear family as your source of information and moving toward your, not even your physical friend group, but like your online friend group, right? Like IRL, like in real life, like most of the interactions that kids have nowadays are not in real life. Um, you and I are not talking in real life, but this is an amazing yeah. tool, right? So there's definitely a place for it, but you need to have a foundation for yourself or I can see how quickly you could get lost in it. Like my personality type, if if TikTok had existed and Instagram when I was my daughter's age, like forget it, bro, I would be done. Like I wouldn't be doing any of the stuff. You know, I wouldn't have developed those skills. So it's very interesting. I, I love the work that you're doing and I'm so excited to, to kind of just play and unpack some of this. Um, let's start with what you've learned working with this age cohort of young women. What are they experiencing? Talk to me about the body image stuff. And by the way, I just want to say sister to sister, like you're such an beautiful, incredible soul. And like, obviously physical death and suicidal ideation and thoughts are very serious. But I also think our society has just not been taught how to look and deal with those things. Like I've had clinical psychologists and doctors on that talk about how our teens are self-diagnosing themselves with depression. And yes, they are having a moment of depression. But that does not have to become a season. That does not have to become if they don't have, if they just had the tools to reappropriate or to feel another emotion. Um, you obviously were not given those tools, Shannon. You had to become that tool for yourself. And like the light shines from within your soul. And now because you've risen, you know, risen from the ashes like a phoenix, you can now go and share that light with everybody. So I do see that. I very much am motivated and appreciate that journey that you've gone through. And I'm so excited for the beautiful women whose lives will be impacted because you were aware and you were able to, you know, to do that. Sorry, my phone's not on silent. Um, so thank you from, from one, one sister to another, like amazing, just beautiful. Um, that being said, walk us through what some of you see kids are dealing with today um, that parents probably aren't as aware of. Build some bridges for us. Uh, that would be amazing. Yeah, thank you, Caitlin. Thank you for speaking that too. And and one thing I had to add that before just going into that question, because it also ties into that is you're speaking to the choir there because I always, and I don't know where this awareness came in. I, I'm definitely an old soul, but I would never, during all of the bouts of depression and even the suicidal ideations and just like the deep pain I would experience, I would never ever say I was depressed. I would always just say, okay, I'm experiencing depression right now, or I feel depressed, or I'm just really sad, or this is what I'm experiencing. And I was so mindful, even at 20 years old, 22 years old, during these moments, to never label, okay, I am a depressed person, because I must have had that awareness of like, I'm not a depressed person, I'm Shannon, and I feel super down right now, and like I'm experiencing a lot of emotional pain. And I just wanted to stop, wow. but I'm not depressed. And I think that really did help me. Like you mentioned, kind of the Phoenix keep rising out of it and being the tools to recognize why am I feeling this way? How can I overcome this? How can I feel the pain? How can I keep, you know, keep going, going, moving forward? What tools do I need? And that really helped me develop kind of reverse engineer for other young women who might be experiencing something similar, how to pull themselves out of it. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. And then when it comes to, you know, preteens and teens, 
I mean, we talked about it. One huge thing is TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. It is such a part of their lives. And just, it's so a part of their lives that they're just so used to communicating in that way and not having to communicate to one another. So I remember when I was growing up, we had just gotten cell phones. But even then, it was, you know, we were texting or we were phone calling and it was somewhat different. We weren't sending photos that would disappear. We weren't posting photos that were quote unquote perfect and filtering them and editing them and then everybody seeing them. There wasn't all of that going on. And I feel like so many young women are so glued into that world and they're gaining so much of their validation and their self-esteem and their worthiness as an individual from that world. Whether they're on Snapchat, whether they're getting the likes on Instagram, the TikTok videos they're doing, they're taking so much of their time and energy and pouring it into their image online. And then the validation or lack of validation that they're getting from that. And like you said, they're not realizing how can I have boundaries with that? How can I recognize when that's actually harming me? How can I take my phone and put it aside and be with my family or be with my friends and just be in my life without that. And for them, it's so difficult to not filter, you know, it's not swipe the filter on, it's not edit the things, not glamorize themselves or edit the photos or find the perfect photo to post and check to see how many likes they're getting. They're just, their brains are so much younger and less developed and they don't have the awareness of, you know, 30 year old, 35 year old, a 40 year old to know, wait a second, look at everything I'm doing. They're just, they're so in it. Yeah. So that's a big thing. And then we look at, and I know parents are aware of this, but to the extent of they'll see their, their preteens and their daughters and there's a negative influence also coming from young women and adult women in those platforms of sharing dieting tips of women in their 25, 30, 35, et cetera, being super thin, being super gl- glamored, showing fitness tips, dieting tips, influencer tips, whitening their teeth, doing X, Y, and Z, buy these products, do this thing, then you will be perfect. You will look this way. Here's the perfect morning routine. Here's the perfect fitness routine. Here's yeah. perfect this. Here's the perfect that. Buy this, do this, do that. You'll look like me, you'll be happy. And nobody knows anything what's going on behind the scenes. So they're seeing this false version of reality. And then all they want is to feel good about themselves. They just want to feel comfortable in their skin. They want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel so insecure. They want to belong. They want to be loved. They want those fundamental human needs and desires. And they're thinking, okay, if I do this fitness, you know, uh, regimen, if I eat this, if I lose weight, if I filter my photos, if I buy these products, if I dress like this, if I, you know, go to this brand, then all of these insecurities will disappear. Never so does. Going up, yeah, they're going about it in, in the wrong way. And so that's a lot of what's happening. And right. it's so woven into their culture and just how they grow up that we have to understand like this is this is just a part of the the generation and the hashtags and the memes and the gifts and just, just all of it they're just it's their language it's a whole different language how they say things like phrases and everything it's just very very different so that's a big thing and then we can even go into even just you sharing you know the older generation so for example my parents generation their parents generation they did their best they were very much in survival they were so consumed with 
especially the women, just the, the yo-yo dieting and the fad dieting and the weight loss and the obsession there. And the woman has to look this type of way. And that hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is, yes, there is a movement of body positivity and plus size models and Netflix is doing a good job at featuring different types of body types and, and races and all sorts of things, but that's still small compared to what we see out there. And especially what we see in movies, what we see in ads, what they see on TikTok is like itty bitty girls who look perfect, who look happy, who are filtered and whatever it is. So the other big thing when it comes to food and body image is to recognize that younger generations are really bearing the weight of the older generations of, I need to be thin. I need to be on a diet. I need to look a certain way. I feel this pressure of perfectionism. And then the last thing I'll share, and these are all kind of tied together, would be just the pressure from school. I've got so much homework. I've got so much work. I've got to get these good grades. Schools a lot. There's a lot of just pressure and expectations put on them to get good grades, to be a perfect athlete, to have these expectations, to fit in these shoes, to get into good colleges, even to get into good high schools. And parents also put a lot of pressure on the kids around that of, right, this is a good high school, this is a good college, you need to do this. They're eight years old and they're in competitive soccer and then they're doing this and they're doing that. And there's so much pressure on them. I see this because I do yeah. Um, I mean, I work with these girls, but then I work in also Girls in the Run, which is like an after-school volunteer program. And they're they're doing their school and then Girls in the Run, and they've got competitive soccer and they're trying out and they're not making the team. And you can tell it's like, it kills their self-esteem and they don't make the team. They feel they're not good enough because they didn't make the soccer team. And then, okay, I have to work harder. I have to try harder. I have to do better because I need to make this competitive team at 10 years old because yeah. that's showing me that I'm good enough of an yep. athlete. Yep. And that's it's a 10-year-old. She should be out playing and having fun and not worrying about rec soccer versus competitive soccer. But the reality is, and the parents put this pressure on the girls too, of, well, the reality is if you want to maybe play in college, you've got to do competitive at eight, nine, 10 years old. So we have to go down that track. So again, I know I shared a lot of things, but I think a lot of themes are just the validation, the pressure, the expectations, the perfectionism. And then them not quite having the tools to get out of it. There's so much here that I want to unravel with you, but I'm going to start this way because this is how my brain works. Are you a Harry Potter fan at all? Yes, definitely. (laughs) So there's a scene where (laughs) Ron and Hermione are talking and Hermione's like going through the 17 different emotions that would be running through her head in this situation. And Ron's like, if, if someone could feel that all at once, they would explode. <laughs> She's like, not all of us have the emotional capacity of a teaspoon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what you're saying to me is as a woman, right, who's been a teen, um, it's so true that there is just so much on these kids. Um, we don't even, we don't even know. Like we, and, and I know as parents, we have our own stressors and then they have to deal with our shit too, which is just crazy. So I took several notes as you talked. And I think some of the stuff that comes to my heart is like as parents, and we talk about this a lot, Shannon, on our podcast is like, and, and my real earnest hope is to give parents the awareness, or if you're a Joe Dispenza person, the space to be aware that these thoughts are coming up so that you can maybe make a more conscious decision next time. But one of them is like, we are instilling our limiting beliefs on our children. 
every time we juxtapose um, what we think they should do, every time we give them uh, a desired outcome about SATs, about colleges, about sports, about looking a certain way, about an outfit choice, what we do not understand is that I had a beautiful soul on the other day and she described it so well as a tip of an iceberg. She actually works with teens in England. I got to connect you to, my gosh, you guys would the world would just like crumble under you. Amazing, amazing women. Um, and it was a, it was the same thing. Like you are telling them one thing, but what they feel and what they hear is very um, Tony Robbins. I I am not worth it. I am not enough. You are telling you the physical words are, honey. We have to study hard for this SAT because you need to get a good grade so you can get a scholarship because I want you to succeed. In its own vacuum, that is earnest and that is heartfelt. That is not what your teenager hears. They hear, you are not enough. You will not be enough if you don't have this happen. This is the most paramount important thing in your life right now. And they hear that 20 times a day. And we all know what happens when you focus on 20 things. Nothing gets done, right? And, and nothing of value. So that was really, like, I really felt that in what you said. And then the other part of it is, to expand upon that, it's just the concept of us not being enough. Like that doesn't come. I'll give you an example. When my daughter was just started to live with me, she was like third grade, not even second grade. There was this girl. I always remember her name the rest of my life. And um, I'm sure she grew up to be a wonderful kid, but she gave my daughter a heck of a time. My daughter was living in different homes. People weren't brushing her teeth. Like it was a hard year and she just started to live with us. And she would come home day after day crying. Now, the Sicilian woman in me wanted to go whoop some ass, um, but I at least had the cognizance to like explain to my daughter the why behind it. And I said, honey, we see the face of this girl looking all cute, all popular with all the brands on. We don't know what goes on behind that house. But what I can tell you is whole people, whole complete people don't need to hurt people. Baby girl, this girl is broken. And she sees broken in you, so she's trying to find it to make herself feel better. And we're not going to give her that power. And I think about that as a parent with what you said. We are telling our children that they are not enough. And it's not because we are trying to hurt them. It is because, and I say this lovingly, parents, we do not think we are enough. We have not done the self-work. We have not looked and at that really, really you know that mirror when you're plucking your eyebrows, that one that like blows everything up and you're like, oh my God, I never want to see my face that close again. That mirror. We need to do that to our innards. And, and you know, it sucks. It sucks at first because you realize you are your nightmare, but then something really beautiful happens. You start to create again in your life. You say, oh, I'm not going to let this happen. We're going to make a better choice. And even just small little things, like I'm never going to be, nor have I ever been a perfect parent, but I can be present and try and show up in the way that these kids need. And that's why they chose me, right? I really believe that. So that's what I felt in what you said. And it's amazing. Um, so thank you. I don't know if there's anything there you want to expand upon, or we can move on to the next topic. I have several questions. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to expand on one thing and then dive into the next questions. Just one thing that you shared. And I tell parents, and I've told parents this before, and you either get it, or I found parents get very, very triggered by it. Mm -hmm. and or just say to me it can't be that simple and I'm like no it, it really can be and it's the power of presence mm -hmm. and it really truly is okay when in doubt if you don't know how to quote unquote fix your kid or help your kid or support your kid or you know you're scared of what your kid's going through or you just you're just like I don't know what to say I don't know what to do 
just be present with them because parents don't quite get, I mean, I, we all have the memories of my dad was a workaholic. He was always on his phone. I would sit there just wanting dad's attention and his presence and he wouldn't give it to me. Yes. Right. And I'd have to do the healing. And of course he did the best he could. He was providing for the family. He had a lot of stresses on and we can see it from that objective perspective. And when you're an eight year old girl and your dad's checking his phone, he's not being present with you. You're going to create a lot of stories and insecurities around your worth, whether you're worthy of attention or not, or love, or your needs aren't being met in that moment. And kids are reliant on their parents. I even saw it at this mother-daughter retreat. It was the most beautiful thing. The, the mother and daughter pairs, these girls are nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old. They're holding their mom's hand. They're yeah. so connected. And you can just see that bond of, oh my gosh, this little girl is really reliant on her mom for safety and nurturance and protection and just feeling good in this group of people. And it was beautiful to see these little pockets of mother-daughters together. But that being said, I think when in doubt, just be present with them. Put your phone down, listen to them, eye contact, be present with your kids as much as possible. And again, don't beat yourself up if you get distracted and you don't do this perfectly because we're all humans here. But I feel like there's so much power that presence can have on that relationship and healing the relationship and making sure the kid feels loved and safe and valued in that whole dynamic. So I love that you said presence because that's something I'm constantly telling parents and they're like, I don't know what to do. She's got an eating disorder or she wants to, you know, commit suicide or whatever thing that's heavy is going on. It's mm -hmm. okay. Can you be a safe, open, loving, present space for her in the home environment? Can you be there? Can when she's talking to you, can you drop into presence? When she's around, be present. And yes, she might need her space and she might push you out, but ultimately She's craving your presence. And if right. you can keep showing up with it, it's going to exactly. do a lot of healing. If there's consistency there, then it's structure. And that structure is looked upon as safe and they will come back to that. And that is what we miss as parents. We are ticking time bombs ourselves. We are like, you know, one imperfect thing away from a blow up. And that's not a safe space. Kids are not going to come to that. Um, there's a business, uh, a gentleman I follow in business, his name is Alex Carmozzi, and he has a formula for success in business when it comes to making an offer around your product or brand or service. And it has very much to do to me with relationships. It's <clears throat> speed to helping your customer get that thing uh, or ease to achieve that result, right? If you're thinking like a gym ownership or something like that, um, removing the obstacles and enhancing the abilities or uh, chances of success, right? And there's a whole formula on how to do that. But in the context of this relationship, especially with daughters and parents, like think of what all you just said kids are going through. And if we are not making interactions fun, right? I, I know they're going to TikTok and they're going to their friends because it's fun. And they don't have, they, that's where the, the boundary starts to come in is like, I want her to go and like, go met, be messy and go have fun out there. And then when things are perplexing her, I want her to know that I am here to help provide that structure or my husband, right? That divine masculine structure. And it's not going to be, <laughs> I say that, I mean, trust me, we are parents. We do have our fair amount of like juxtaposing what we think reality should be, but at least we want them to feel seen and heard. But to your point is it has to be something, a positive interaction. If it's not looked upon is I can come to them and we can talk about this or I'm going to be in trouble for it. It's just, it'll never happen. And that's kind of the reality. And sometimes like I, I am fortunate to have a great relationship with my daughter and my nieces and nephews. And I think it's because I just always have that mindset of 
me as the adult needs to change to build the bridges to these kids. Like we expect kids at for the, uh, especially the ages that you work with Shannon, the prefrontal cortex is not developed fully until you're 15, 16 years old. And we're expecting them to not only boss their own life, but also be able to figure out ours and how to make a bridge. Like that makes no sense to me. But if we can build the bridge, all they have to do is when they want walk across. And I think that's amazing. So I'd love to learn about some of the tools specifically around body image, boundaries, relationships um, with each other at that age, because it can be so toxic and it can be so detrimental to their, but it's also going to be amazing, right? And how to like, you know, what are some of the tools that you've helped with your your clients with, with those particular things? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we can start with body image. And this is a this is a really big layer to fix, and it's not something that just a one tool fixes it or an overnight shift. But the first thing around body image is, and I do, I mean, you know, I can just talk to, we'll talk to one big thing and then just a few other things with body image. But the, the biggest thing is we have to get the bomb on board with the body image movement and the body image positivity. And so by what you said, the mom has to take responsibility because I've seen this happen multiple times where the daughter has body image struggles and an eating disorder and the mom is pointing at the daughter and she's not seeing that finger and pointing it back at herself. Exactly. And I'm not here to shame moms at all. I'm just here to bring awareness to the daughter can just cultivate the body image issues like pop. It's her issue. It's a collective female issue. So the mom has to look at what is her relationship with her body like and what is her relationship with food like and what's her relationship with nourishing herself like and connecting to her body in a positive way because she either carried her daughter in the womb and or had her at a really young age and the daughter is soaking in whatever the mom is doing right all of those mirror neurons all of the looking at the mom seeing how she carries herself how she interacts with herself how she talks to herself how she feels in a bathing suit how she nourishes her body what she he eats if she's on a diet or not all of those patterns and behaviors. And again, I'm not trying to shame mothers at all because this is something we have to unravel together as females. We just have a lot of bad diets and women have to look a certain way and they have to be a certain aesthetic and yeah. dieting is really normalized. And so that's the first thing is if I'm working with a daughter, ideally I want to have a conversation with the mom about what's your relationship like with your body and food because I'm going to start to unravel this with your daughter. And as I do, if she really is going to unravel it right now, you've also got to unravel it. And then there's the ideal from working with, you know, the mom and the daughter simultaneously, or a lot of times it's I've worked with the mom and now I'm working with the daughter. But either way, I just want to bring light to that and have that conversation so the mom can start to look at what is my relationship like with my body. So then we go into, okay, if the mom starts to do the healing work, the daughter is going to start to see that and pick that up and start to shift as well. And that can be really huge. And so now it looks at, okay, how do we shift that? So the first thing that I really like to look at, and this is just, it's, it's an easier place to start, especially with the young, the young teen girls and, and women as well is, okay, where are you taking in messages that your body's not enough? And let's start there. So what accounts are you following on TikTok or Instagram? What movies are you watching? What books are you reading? What, what are you seeing on TV? 
what friends are maybe affecting this? What maybe boys, if they're into boys, what boys are affecting this? Is this being triggered at sports? Like, let's just look at outside influences first. This is good. Because, yeah, as we unravel, if they keep getting those triggers from social media or from right. certain friends of theirs, or they keep feeling like they need to be skinny for the boys or whatever it is, it's just going to keep, it's like throwing salt in their wounds when they're trying to yes. heal the wound. So we can't quite heal it. So that's the first thing is, okay, we're going to start to work on your relationship with your body and we're going to work on having a healthy relationship with your body. But where do you feel triggered and where do you feel insecure and where is the, your body not being enough being perpetuated? Great. So we look at that and start to yeah, have the boundaries around that and start to clear those things. So unfollowing the accounts and just really having conversations around it. And then the second thing is looking at, okay, what are the, the thoughts, the stories, the beliefs, and, and the feelings you have around your body? And similar, you said, you know, Dr. Joe spend the work, but we'll really start to look at that. And I create a really safe, supportive space where it's like, you can say anything. I am not judging you. I've probably felt it. I've probably said it to myself before. So what are you actually thinking about your body? What do you think about different areas of your body? What are the stories? What are the insecurities? What are the emotions tied to it? So we start to really have conversations around those and we start to unpack those and, and heal through those. And so then I can use different modalities like tapping and kind of clearing the energy of them, or we'll do different visualizations or depending on their age, I'll walk them through inner child healing of different memories nice. and start to shift association. Wow. That's powerful. And, yeah. And also at that age, I find just safe conversations and being able to open up to about it. it can shift it. Yeah, it really can, because they're so impressionable, which you shared earlier. They're very impressionable. So even just let's talk about this and let's not have you just holding this by yourself. Yep. And that can be really helpful. And you said and it too, goes, right? Like yeah. when you were in college about how you realized you were going through a season of something. I think just having to verbalize it makes you realize, oh, I'm not that thing. I am just yeah. experiencing that thing. And so it gives them a chance to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it does. And that's also where I'd like to just, yeah, really kind of pause and separate and even share things like, okay, you know, okay, say the, the girl's name is Mia. First, this is a random Mia. I say, okay, Mia, you are not Mia. Like, you are not body shame. We're not your body shame. You are Mia. You're experiencing shame around your body. And we'll also normalize it for them too, of just kind of, honestly, of course you're feeling shame about your body. Look at the society we live in. I felt shame around my body. I still feel shame around my body. All women struggle with this and we're gonna get through this together, but you are not your body shame. You are not your shame. You are not the stories you tell yourself. You are you. And this is what you're experiencing. This is what you're feeling. This is what you're thinking, but you are you. So just even having those conversations is helpful. So they can say, hey, it's Mia, and I had a really bad body image shape today, or I'm feeling this way, or I'm thinking this thing, like you said, just separate from it a little bit. Or what I also like to do when it comes to the inner critic is, I'm again Mia, and I have an inner critic, or I have an inner mean girl, or I have, at the, the retreat this last weekend, one, one woman was calling it like Helga, right? It's Helga. <laughs> My inner critic saying these mean things about me, I am not my inner critic. Because I remember at that age, I just thought I was Shannon, yeah. who's 
super hard on herself. And that's just a personality thing. Yes. Versus, no, I'm Shannon and I, and I have strong inner critic, but I'm not just super hard on myself. I just learned how to be super hard on myself. And I can shift that and be really gentle with myself. Okay. I really like this. And I don't want to um, like, I want to repeat the steps because I think it benefits people to hear it, especially like in layman's terms. So let's say you've uncovered that you have a body image issue around, I'm just trying to like the way that your stomach looks. I don't know. Um, That seems like something that had happens to girls. Um, (laughs) And that you start to ask questions as a parent, you are not preaching. You are just asking a very melancholy, melancholy, non-emotionally charged questions. Tell me about that. What types of things make you feel this way? Um, like what specific things? So you're trying to help the child understand what might have caused it, right? You're not telling them. You're helping them figure it out for themselves. And then the part I think parents can get tripped up on or just go back into like parenting mode instead of coaching um, is what happens next. Because you have then this is why I introduce people like you so that they can reach out to you. There is professionals available, but even just for simple vernacular, you can do some type of work, whether it's tapping or visualization or to your later point, just even simply helping them realize that they are not that person and they can make the choice just to make the simple distinction. Okay. You are feeling this way. I see that that is valid and that is okay. And now you get to decide which way you want to feel and which way you want to grow. And I will help provide the support for you to do that. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah. And then when it goes to with the body image stuff after, you know, the the conversation, I really also like to look at, okay, so for example, we work individual by individual, but you just brought up the stomach thing. We'll look at, okay, what areas of your body are you feeling like aren't enough right now? And what areas of your body are you judging? And then I never start with all the areas because maybe it's like five areas that this young girl is struggling with. And she thinks like her butt's this way, her stomach's this way, her arms are this way, she, you know, on her face, X, Y, and Z, dark circles, whatever it is that she's judging, her teeth are too yellow, etc. So we'll look at, okay, let's start with one area. So let's go into your stomach. Okay, so what is it that you judge about your stomach? And when she's doing this, it's like, okay, let's go. Put our hands on our stomach right now and then maybe all even lead with okay this is the areas that i or these are the stories that i've had about my stomach and i felt this i felt that i felt that x y and z and they'll all open up first yeah and then i'll have her open up like what are some stories or some insecurities that you've had about your stomach or what are some judgments that you've had about your stomach and so she can kind of share those and then as we're kind of moving some of that you know, we're talking it out, Mm -hmm. emotions are going to come up. So it's very much reassuring her. It's okay if you feel shame. It's okay if emotions are coming up. This is a safe space. Let's just breathe through it. And so it's helping her move some of that emotional energy. So it doesn't stay stuck. And so then it's just kind of like being there and connecting. Presence. And then we can, yeah, go into, okay, as we kind of work on that, for the next few weeks, we're going to work on your relationship with your stomach. And how can you do that? So we can have her every single day, you know, start to put her hands on her stomach and connect to her stomach. We can have her do a little like belly massage with her stomach. We can make sure that she's wearing clothes where she feels good in her stomach. We can even start to just like play around with like joking and different things like that. So it depends on like where we're at the process. So this is yeah. just kind of nuanced thing. 
but sometimes when we have these limiting beliefs and I've done this with especially teen girls we can have them kind of repeat it and then we'll repeat it in like funny funny um funny voices and funny sounds and kind of just like start to make light and kind yeah, of bring light light on it. To, yeah start to yeah. laugh about it so for example with one teen I was doing this last week her story was I'm not interesting like I'm just not an interesting person so we like really worked on that and then eventually I had her like in funny voices and like I'm not interested. I'm not interested, right? Doing all these different things. And then by the end, we're laughing. We're like, how silly is that? You don't think you're interesting. And then we go into, okay, so we've done some of that, clearing the emotion, just working with it, being, trying yeah, to see what it is. Yep. Then it goes into, okay, now we've got to look at, okay, what are some, some thoughts, some beliefs, and then some action, self-care habits we can stick in to help you have a healthy relationship with your body. Yeah. So yeah. we'll come up with some affirmation statements to work on. And again, she can put those up on sticky notes and have on the wall. I have all of her four different tracks and she could listen to those or she'll say them out loud or she'll kind of pass through them or journal them out. But we'll have her kind of working with some different beliefs about her body and her stomach. And then we'll go into, okay, so maybe you start dry brushing. Or maybe you start, you know, there's like an oil massage that sometimes I'll have girls do. It depends on how open they are to that. But just like saying affirmations and connecting with their body in that way. Or maybe they change the clothes that they're wearing. Or maybe, yeah. you know, there's different things that they can start to do that feel healthy and loving. Exactly. That can help shift that. You know what I mean? I do. I, I think the uh, I think it's worth stating blatantly that like the dry brushing, the oil, the looking at yourself in the mirror, these are all meant to cultivate appreciation and gratitude for the vessel that you are yeah. having condemning thoughts about, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you start to appreciate it, it's very hard to feel two competing emotions at one time. Um, yeah. So like in our own life, we, we would do something like, well, what about that part of your body? Well, well, how does that serve you? And then we would think about like, oh, if it's my legs, well, my legs allow me to move and how grateful am I that I'm able to do that. And every single day I take that for granted that I can run and jump and play volleyball and do what I need to do and chase after my brother and like whatever that looks like. Well, let's, let's give it love and light for what it does. And then let's focus on those aspects. And then you're in a positive place. And you said it so well, you said clear the emotion. I think we are not yet there as a society where we can we are emotional creatures. So we go into hairpin trigger very quickly, especially as parents. So we don't realize a lot of the time, these things, they just are emotions. They're not beliefs yet. And this, I am going to get kind of Joe Dispenza. So when you have an emotion and you allow it to come up and clear, um, it is now gone. You allow like my friend calls it, feel the feels you felt it. And now you can move on and choose under the right guardianship, how to choose a better emotion. In a lot of cases that does it. But if you have felt that emotion again and again and again and again, and you don't know how to clear it, or you don't think you can clear it, and it just sits there, and you don't know that you should be clearing it, that emotion now becomes um, a mood. And that mood can become your, uh, your personality, and that will dictate your reality. So we're really teaching kids at a young age how to choose to be the orchestrator of their life, right? So it's very important work, and it's definitely not like – if you just like look at society and where we are, like this is professional level stuff that we were asking parents to do with our children and ourselves. But I'm so proud that we're at a place in society now where like this is common practice because we, we, 
we can, right? We're not being chased by saber tooth tigers right now. We have the ability to help us get to the next level. So um, I do understand what you're saying. I think that's beautiful. Um, so let's move in from when the parent is in the loving and cultivating space to help the child grow. And now let's talk about when the parent is triggered, the teenage daughter is triggered, the relationship there. I know you mentioned you have retreats around this relationship specifically because female budding female to <laughs> uh, what, like senior female, like we all, we have the same stuff coming up on each other. So to walk me through some of that, what are some things you've seen? How do we kind of work through those things? So and this is something that we work through in the retreat and when I'm working on with mothers and daughters individually together is, is having languaging for it and starting to understand, starting to really understand each other. So I like, I, I work with assistant called human design. I think I share a little bit about that with you just briefly. Yes. But I like human design. It's basically... It pulls from astrology and different ancient modern sciences, and it shows somebody's energetic DNA is the word for it. But you can also set, say, okay, the road back to being you, your authentic blueprint. It shows so many different features of a person. So it shows how your energy functions, how you're meant to make decisions. It shows how your emotions operate, whether you're an empath or your emotion defined, what different emotions you run communication styles, different gifts of yours, personality traits, fears that you have to work through, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of layered information. So I really, really love when I can bring this tool in and mothers can get to know their human designs and their daughter's human designs, vice versa, to know, oh, okay, so this is an emotion that this daughter's experiencing right now because that's a pattern that she runs authentically. And or as a mother, okay, I run this authentically and I need to be very aware. So I love human design. I just wanted to throw that in there because it's helped a ton. And I do mother-daughter readings, family readings, individual readings. Cool. And it just helps make yeah everything so, so highly customized. But then with or without human design, one thing is the emotional awareness of where am I emotionally? And if you're a mom, all the time I see this, the moms need to be in their bodies, aware of where they're at emotionally if they're feeling sensitive that day, if they're feeling triggered that day, if they have things going on, and be open to being a human and communicating that to their daughters. Uh, so you know what? I'm feeling kind of sensitive today. Or I'm about to get my period, and this is how I feel right now. And really normalizing, we don't always have to be happy, yeah. and it's okay to feel these things. And teaching the daughters they can do that too. Like, hey, mom, I need extra space today. So it's yeah. not personal if I don't want to talk to you. I just need some space. And again, it's like the emotions, the communication of the emotions is so huge. Yeah. So just knowing, okay, where am I at emotionally? Maybe maybe I don't know exactly what's creating it, but maybe I just feel sensitive today. I'm just going to let my daughter know that and vice versa. So just having that awareness is, is huge just from a day-to-day basis and that openness around emotions. Then from the mom standpoint, Mothers have to realize, they probably do realize this, a lot of them, kids are going to trigger you all of the time, and they're going to mirror things about you that maybe you don't like, or things about you that you have to heal, or they're just going to mirror things back to you to help you grow and evolve. Absolutely. And when you can see it that way versus being like, 
you're too sensitive or you're this way or if you would just listen to me if you would just stop doing that versus recognizing the reason you're getting so triggered and so reactive and so thrown off by your kid is because maybe she's mirroring a belief that you have that you aren't respected or people don't respect you or maybe her sensitivity is triggering your own sensitivity and you weren't honoring your own sensitivity growing up or you're not honoring your own sensitivity today or whatever it happens to be. It could be so many other things. I know you're nodding and you are aware of this. No, it's good. And, so true. Yeah. So so that's something. If, if mothers can realize that, that they can be less reactive, they can really look at, okay, my kid's mirroring something for me to work on. Why am I getting so triggered by her right now? Why is her not listening to me, triggering me? Oh, because I've got a huge sensitivity around feeling like I'm not worthy of being heard. And so when my kid doesn't listen to me, it's triggering that within me. And I have to maybe do my own inner child healing around that and my own growth work around that and switch my own stories around that, not just make my kid listen. Because making my kid listen isn't actually going to heal my internal pain around feeling like I'm not worthy of being heard and people don't hear me and people don't respect me or value me. So that's a really big thing for mothers to be aware of. And I know because I work with moms, I have mother friends. It's really challenging and it's really triggering. And so having compassion, having empathy, having safe spaces, mothers groups, coaches, healers, people to support you, therapists, is really important. But then just knowing oftentimes the kid is coming to help you heal and help you grow and help you get closer to love within yourself. Yes. And when you can realize that, then you can recognize those screaming at my kid or trying to control my kid or trying to make my kid a perfect person or trying to be a perfect mom. I actually can use this for an opportunity for healing growth myself. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was really good. There's so, yeah, there's so many parallels that I feel in, our, in my own journey in life. And one of them is around not having to have all the answers. Um, I think as parents, we feel like we have to, we have to be the ones to teach. And the truth is we don't have to be that person. Like it's even better if we're just, uh, if we're just shoulder to shoulder and we can just express where, what we're feeling because that models the behavior that they are allowed to show in their own, in their own life. Um, yeah, th that's, that was beautifully said. There's a, there's a lot of really great things in there. Um, something at the end, I'm trying to remember specifically what it was. Um, I think it was around that, but yeah, I, I, I love that. Oh, this is what it was. We put so much pressure on ourselves. Like sometimes you can see somebody, right? And you can like judge them. Or if you're in your own life and I've learned to realize this, that's why I was nodding, whether it's a brother, sibling relationship, a spouse relationship, parent relationship, coworker. It does not happen often with me, but every once in a while something will happen and I will just think about it and think about it. And I'm like, like the definition of psychosis, by the way, if you ever look at it, it's pretty interesting. Um, and so I'm like, why am I lost in this thought? And what about this interaction has me so triggered? And then you have to dial it back and you realize, holy crap, I don't want to see that in myself. And so I'm really viscerally trying to build the biggest tower between me and this thing possible by making this person this evil thing. And it's, it's really just my story. Um, and I bring that into motherhood because it's so easy to see another mom and whether it's the perfect cute mom with the abs and the five kids and she's killing it at life, or it's the mom who's just looking like she's having a hard freaking time. And it's so easy to do that and, and have that comparison. And you know what? This journey has taught me 
there is no right or wrong. Everybody is that struggling mom in one facet of their life or they're not learning. And I know about Classroom Earth, we don't come here to just be stagnant. If you haven't gotten your lesson yet, it's coming. Um, and maybe you're at the point where you've already had your lesson and now you're serving. But when I see that and I recognize it, I don't blame parents for, for falling into um, uh, reactivity or non-presence or just kind of like being a sheeple, like that, just kind of going through life. Because it's effing hard. You have to keep your children like alive and safe and fed. Uh, emotionally, make sure that they're doing okay. You have to keep your job. You have to like, it is insane. All the stuff you went through at the beginning with kids. Yeah, it's the same shit just 15, 20 years later. And now you have mortgages and body hair and shit that goes on. And it's like, it is a lot for people. So now we're asking them, to look at themselves and find the bad stuff within themselves that they can fix. And I can tell you, I, because I got Shekinah so young, I wasn't rooted enough into my belief of what I was of, of this perfect adult yet. And that's why it was so easy for me to like really tap into this like path. But I don't blame people when I see that because it is work. However, it is the most rewarding thing you will ever do. And I guarantee you, if you're someone who is looking to level up your life, make more money, have better relationships, whatever that thing is, better stuff with your spouse, a better, like, all you have to do is start in one area. And I, I, there's that, like, proverb, right? It's like a, a Chinese proverb that there was a guy fishing, two, two old gentlemen fishing, and the guy watching them, and he's like this businessman, and he's like trying to tell them, like, go, why don't you guys go? to school, get an education so you can work, so you can do all this stuff. So, And then the, the the two wise men are like, so one day we can retire and go on a boat and fish? Well, I can do that shit right now. Like, And it's, it's just like we are so in our own paradigm that we don't see that they have the answers to the next generational problems. And instead of building them up with their already high EQ and our intellect, we're trying to juxtapose our square peg in their round hole, right? We're trying to like make our paradigm fit onto theirs. Um, so I think taking the pressure off of us as parents and just say, I'm aware enough to understand that I have an opportunity to do something great here for my kids. It doesn't mean I have to do all the time. Even if I do it 10% better, 1% better each day, you're hundred percent better in hundred days, right? 360% better in a year. That's amazing. And if every parent took that stance, like there'd be a lot less, you know, of the tragedies that we see. Right. So I guess that's what comes, that's like what's all raveled into my heart when I hear what you're saying is it's tough for parents to hold that mirror to themselves, but how can we expect our kids to do it if we can't do it for them first? Yes, exactly. And I think that is where, especially as, as women and as mothers, making sure that if you're a parent listening, you are being supported yourself. Exactly. Again, it could be positive friends, it could be mother's groups, it could be a therapist or a coach or a healer, but it's making sure, are you being supported through this journey? Because again, your triggers are going to come up. You also need inner child healing. You've got your own insecurities, your own stressors, your own limitations. You're a human doing your best and making sure you have safe positive spaces to lean on the same way we want you to be a safe positive space for your children exactly it's really really important and if there isn't the expectation of perfectionism there isn't the expectation of again being a perfect parent having it all figured out never getting triggered never reacting it's just 
let me be responsible for my reactions and my emotional helpers that really look within and see the mirroring in this and be open and, and apologize and own my mistakes and keep working and, and do better. And then what you shared earlier, which I also love to bring into this relationship, which is something I really emphasize for again, pre-teens and moms when we're working together or in a retreat setting or a workshop setting is let's do this together. Let's be side by side in this. So I have the moms open up about their inner critics and the stories awesome. they tell themselves while the daughters are opening up about their inner critics and the stories they tell themselves yep. and they're sharing what they want to, you know, the affirmations they want to work on that they want to work on and what their love languages are and what their love languages are. And so it's okay to repeat in this experience together, growing exactly. together, because we both want to love ourselves. We both want to feel confident and it doesn't have to be this, okay, the mom has it all figured out or doesn't have it figured out. The daughter has it figured out or doesn't have it figured out. But it can be, okay, you know, today I'm having a hard time with my inner critic. Or again, I'm feeling more sensitive or more vulnerable or whatever it happens to be. It's just an open discussion of it. And then with the daughters, it's teaching the daughters that it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's okay to not always be happy. It's okay yeah. to communicate this, to express this getting to know what they need, getting to know how to feel their emotions when they're feeling triggered about something of, okay, you're feeling really triggered. Why don't you go punch a pillow for a few minutes? Or yeah. why don't you play, play a song and dance it out? Or here's a journal, write down your emotions. Or you want to talk about it, you want to, you want to walk and talk about this. But giving them these different tools to work on when they're feeling sad or triggered or upset, or maybe they need alone time and space. And again, that's where I like bringing in human design because we can look at okay, this daughter's chart and these are that's the emotions awesome. she has going on. These are, yeah. you know, the different patterns that she runs. So music might really help her, or she's an empath and she might be taking on emotions that aren't hers. So teaching yep. her how to clear those or take a shower or take a bath or get out in nature and, and release those emotions so she's not carrying them around. So she understands that she soaks up emotions from other people and everything she's feeling isn't always hers. Just yeah. having that awareness and looking at that can be really helpful. But again, it really does boil down to the emotional awareness, the permission to feel all the emotions first, the communicating of the need, being able to have deep open conversations, safe conversations, yeah. and really work on it together and just communicate, hey mom, I'm really mad at you right now. I need space. And the mom being like, okay, got it. Let me know when you want to talk. Or the mom being like, hey, I'm feeling really sensitive today. I would really love if you asked me the dishwasher the first time I asked because I'm just like, I'm about to burst into tears. You didn't do anything wrong. Nobody's done anything wrong. I'm just feeling really emotional and sensitive today. And yeah. being able to just be honest and open yeah. about where everyone's at can save so much hardship and struggle and emotional outbursts yeah. and miscommunications and misunderstandings yes. from happening. Exactly. Again, hurt whole people don't hurt people. We do it because we're not cognizant that we're we're reacting with the same emotions we're upset that they're now displaying. Um, AKA it comes from us, and that's okay. And now we have tools to fix it. I love this. This is so good. Um, can you please? I would like two last questions. One is if you can give parents just one tip to take you know out, out of this lesson or into their life, just even the simplest thing, just to make their interactions with themselves or their kids better. What would that be? And then secondly. Where can people interact with you, find you, take your courses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, one tip for parents. I, I mean, honestly, I would emphasize make sure you've got a solid support system outside of just yourself or your partner. 
And even if maybe you're a single parent, make sure you have a solid support system of safe, empowering spaces who can really support you in your journey. So again, whether that's a parenting group, whether that's family members, whether that's friendships of yours, whether that's group counseling, whether that's individual counseling, therapy, coaching, healing, you've got to make sure that you're being supported. Whether you see a Reiki healer once a month or you see a therapist every other week, whatever it is, just make sure you have that safety held for you as you navigate all of this. I think it's huge. And it models to your, your family. It's okay to be supported. It's okay to need help. It's okay to lean on other people to feel good in our lives. Like we need the community. We need both the friendships and we need the professionals. I love that. That's so good. You have me pinned down with the Reiki. Uh, <laughs> I did. Um, have you ever done CAP? Kundalini awakening process? No. It's big and it's big where you are. Um, so I've done sure. like Kundalini rising meditations and there's a lot of Kundalini yoga and like all of these things. This is very specific. Um, it's a very specific type of practitioner. And I will tell you the first time I did it, I did not watch the demo video and I, um, I've done Reiki for years and I go to a chiropractor who like works on the alignment of my vibrational spine not necessarily the actual bones. So I'm all into this stuff, but y'all, I will say like, I could definitely see some people from Alabama looking at that and being like, they got the devil in them. Like It was intense. I was like, but it's so interesting because all that is, is regulating emotion and moving it. Um, like in a lot of African tribes that they just stand there and they just shake, right. Just yeah. to like let the emotions regulate it in a group setting. So there's like yeah. so interesting to see how different modalities and groups and troops have done this through space and time. Um, but we're all energetic beings trying to regulate that stuff. And um, I love that you brought community into it. We, It's like, have you ever seen that thing? There, It's on TikTok right now. Uh, it's like in offices where they'll like hook their legs onto each other and then like sit and then they'll like release their arms. But it's basically like you have to use the support of somebody else in order for you to have ultimate balance. Um, there's a huge trend in TikTok on it. I was trying to do it with my family and we all got like, we all fell down. It was hilarious. We did not post it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a massive fail. Uh, it was a massive fail. But it's that community piece. So I really like that. Uh, this was amazing. Okay, so Shannon, where can our people find you, interact with you? Um, I know you have some courses. You have podcasts. You got a lot coming up. So tell us about where people can find you. Yes, thank you for asking. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. And I'm excited to, to hear it and connect with other people through it. But, I mean, you can find me the best place is my website is shannonkeating.com. Also, my Instagram is at shannonkeating. I also have a website and a business I'm building for young women 18 to 24 called Babes Rising. So that's babesrising.co, babes underscore rising on Instagram. But you can find you can find Babes Rising through Shannon Keating. And then my podcast is Unmasked and Open Hearted. Email hello at shannonkeating.com. But honestly, if you look at my website, you'll get a link to email, a link to Instagram, all of that. And it's just, it's easy to find me through my name. So, yeah. Perfect. That's amazing. I'll post that below. Um, we are pretty new, right? We're in our second month and we're uh, 30 podcasts in. I have already gotten stories and, and notifications and text messages and DMs about people using our coaches and having these amazing experiences. I have a friend in Hawaii who's a firefighter who's connecting up with this firefighter guy who's like super like uh, intense, like male energy, but also just so heart centered male energy. And he's going to take his course. And like, it's just these small things that like bring so much joy to my heart because I know that people are finding their tribe 
And I get to be a conduit of that. And I get to meet incredible people like you. So as we continue to grow on our journeys, like this community is for our audience as much as it is a platform for our amazing practitioners. Like I eventually want to have a forum for people to go on and be like, oh, I have these type of things that I want support on. And then it pops out like four or five people who could support them in those ways. And then they can like read a bio, but oh yeah, Shannon's my girl. This is exactly what I need help with. I just think we have so much information now on Google. Like it's so helpful when it can come from a community. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to, to build eventually. Right. It's, it's on the list. <laughs> I love it. And all in the perfect time. Um, so again, Shannon, thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for the work that you do. I know we're just at the precipice of watching how that's going to affect society. And I just can't wait to kind of selfishly just watch you grow and see and see the ripple in the pond that you're going to have. And then parents, you guys know the drill. Like, I love you guys. Um, one of my one of my people messaged me. She's like, you say I love you after every podcast. I love you. I'm so proud that we're here together. And yeah, love is like, there's something in Hawaiian um, my husband's Polynesian and it's like, I see you. I love you. I'm sorry. You're right. And it, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Well, it's a ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono. That's it. Yes. Similar? Yeah. 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 Like, yes. I botched it. Sorry. Thank you. I love you. Something yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And I, I love that because it's like the word love encompasses all of that. Right. It's yeah. like, it's really seeing where you are as a human. So I do love and appreciate our parents and, and where they are and uh, that they're here on this journey. And you guys know, DM me, message me, let me know who, what you want to hear. I'll go find amazing people like Shannon to come share with you guys. And I gotta be honest, like at the beginning, I was like, where am I going to find all these incredible people? And oh. they have been just showing up. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. literally like in the flow, incredible just to be a part of this fun journey, uh, catching this wave with you guys. So I'm here for it. Um, let me know what you like to hear. Please subscribe. Um, every it's so cute. You're like, I don't check my phone anymore. I'm like, I didn't used to. And now that I have this channel, I'm like, look, look, look. It's like hilarious to check it in the morning. Uh, but we love you guys. And you guys know until the next perfect time, stay beautiful and stay inspired. Bye. See you. I can edit that. <laughs>